Now, uh, several weeks ago, we started a series, as Marty said, uh, Hope is Your Cure, and, and we took a look at the first message, the three types of hope that are mentioned in the Bible, uh, wishful hope, expectant hope, but the best one is certain hope, and certain hope is where you and I stop listening to our feelings, and we start listening to the Word of God And God has given us a tool to be effective in doing that. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, pray and never lose hope. And so certain hope happens as you and I stop listening to uh, our feelings and we start listening to the word of God, praying over the promises of God, falling on God's character, his nature. When God says something, folks, you and I can take it to the bank. God is not a God who lies. He is all about truth. And so when he gives us something in his word, you and I can stake our lives on it, okay? Now, last week, we took a look at the importance of praying over the promises of God. That's why you need to get that text number. Because you can start praying over those different promises that I'll be sending you around noontime. Some of them aren't going to resonate, but there's going to be some that, that will. And all you need is one, okay? And so we took a look at that, praying over the promises of God out of Daniel's life in Daniel chapter 9. Today we're going to add some gas to the fire. Today we're going to be learning about how you and I can say, God, I'm really serious about this need, this crisis, this situation that I'm in. I'm not only going to pray about this, God, but guess what? I'm going to fast about this because I want you to know how serious I really am. I got an email this morning I'll just call it Lady K. Kishan. She said this. She's got a learning different kid. I see him almost every week, okay? I don't know what the mental diagnosis is, but she doesn't talk a whole lot. She comes every Sunday, and I hug on her and anything. Anyway, I ripped off uh, Kishan and, and John an email, saying, hey, you guys are doing a great job praying for the challenges that you face want you to know God's on your side type of thing. So she shoots me back an email. She says, yes, I have increased Kennedy's. That's her learning different child. Yes, I have increased Kennedy's prayer. And since she is good at repeating, I have her asking in detail what she needs. And I will say, and I will say since we have been praying, help me to use my words. That's the phrase she repeats to her and Kennedy repeats these. Help me to use, the, use my words. Her speech has increased significantly. But other things fell off a little, so we're praying those back in as well. I feel that a breakthrough is coming very soon, and I'm excited to see the outcome. Do you need a breakthrough? Pastor George, I don't have any friends. I'm lonely. I need a breakthrough. Pastor George, the debt is about up over my nose and we're going down for the last time. I need a breakthrough. Pastor George, I don't have a job and I need one really, really quick. I need a breakthrough. Does God even care about the things that I'm going through? I need a breakthrough. What is a breakthrough? Well, according to the dictionary, a breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic, important advance. 
Science has breakthroughs. Medical arts has breakthroughs. Technology has breakthroughs. Aerospace has breakthroughs. Well, guess what? You can have a breakthrough too. You can have a breakthrough in your marriage. You can have a breakthrough in your relationships. You can have a breakthrough in your career. In fact, I would even say this, that if you are stalled, you need a breakthrough. If you're at a dead end, you need a breakthrough. You can have a personal and spiritual breakthrough. Folks, I've had many of them in my lifetime where I have had this moment of clarity where I've gone, wow, and God has taken me off in a whole different new direction of my life. Now, I don't know if you've realized or come to this conclusion yet, but oftentimes those aha moments, those breakthrough moments, happen as a result of pain. Back in 2016, if you re remember, I, I had prostate issues, and I was cath for four months here in the church. I hate to talk about that. It's kind of a personal thing. But let me tell you, after I had the operation and everything went well, in 2017, God gave me a vision. George, here's what life point and you need to be about for the next three years. The year of love, 2016, the year of hope, that which we're in right now. Uh, 2018, and then the year of faith. I cannot wait. I'm already starting getting ideas on the year of faith. And that all came out of pain. You see, C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts at us in our pain. And God oftentimes uses pain to prepare us for something greater. In fact, take a look at Proverbs 20, verse 30 here. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. We would like to think that we change when we see the light, okay? But in reality, we don't change until we feel the heat. And right now, maybe because of the pain that you're in, God is setting you up for a breakthrough. Or maybe because of the confusion that you're in. I just don't know which way to go. God is setting you up for a breakthrough. Or maybe because you feel overwhelmed. I just got too much to do. I, I don't know what to do next. God is setting you up for a breakthrough. Or maybe you feel outnumbered. I'm just a minority. I'm just one. God is setting you up for a breakthrough. Or maybe because you are under-resourced. God, I need some money. God is setting you up for a breakthrough. Now, folks, I've been in ministry for 40 years, and I have learned that breakthroughs don't happen spontaneously. No, you have to seek a breakthrough. David sought them all the time. Take a look at Psalm 77, verse 2. When I was in distress, that's pain, I sought the Lord. He's seeking God for an answer to his prayers, okay? That's what a spiritual breakthrough is. It's basing your life on the promises of God and saying, God, I'm gonna pray over this. I'm even gonna fast over this, God, until you make this breakthrough. Every night I stretched out my hands in prayer to him. Will you circle or underline that last phrase? Every night I stretched out my hands in prayer to him. Today I'm gonna teach you how to do that. Today I'm going to teach you how to stretch out your hands in prayer to the Lord when you are stressed, when you're confused, when you're in pain, when you feel like you're outnumbered, when you are feeling overwhelmed. 
This week, I am calling our church to pray and fast. To pray and fast for our community that we all live in. To pray and fast for our church family. And to pray and fast for ourselves as well. When you and I fast, in essence, we're saying, you know what, God, I'm serious about this. I'm putting down, it's kind of like when you buy a house, right? You buy a house and you put down some earnest money. God, I'm not only going to talk to you about this. This is the desires of my heart. We'll get into that later. But God, I'm serious. I'm willing to put some skin in the game. I am willing to fast over this because I want to see a breakthrough. I want to see a breakthrough in the world that we live in. Too many Florida incidences. I want to see breakthroughs in our church. And we need breakthroughs. And I want to see a breakthrough in my life. Anybody who has ever prayed for a breakthrough, I don't care what it is. It could be physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. It doesn't really matter. When they sought God through prayer and fasting, things happened. In fact, let me give you some examples. King David, at the pinnacle of his power, he's chosen to be the king of Israel. And when that happens, I'll just put it like this, all hell breaks loose. Take a look at this out of 1 Chronicles 14. When the Philippines, or Philippines, <laughs> when the Philistines, okay, yeah, well, in, in the Greek it says Philippines, you know. Uh, when the Philistines learned that David had been made king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces against him to attack and enslave him. Have you ever felt like the world was crushing in on you? It's one thing after another, after another thing. It's just coming at you all at once. All hell's breaking loose in your life. What do you do? Notice what David said. But David heard the news and moved to his fortified place. Let's stop right there. Do you have a fortified place? You see, if you are a member of LifePoint Church, you do. We will pray for you. We will support you. We will back you up. In fact, that's what happens as you're a member, not only of LifePoint, but especially when you are in a small group. David had a fortified place when all hell was breaking loose that he could go to. And then notice this. Then the, Philistines, then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the entire valley. Right there. What is happening here? He is being surrounded. There is no way of escape. So what does David do? Notice. So David sought the Lord in prayer. Folks, that's what I want for you this week. I want us to seek the Lord in prayer. I want us to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting for our community, for our church family, for one another. Wouldn't it be encouraging to know that everyone in our church is praying for everybody in our church? I'm gonna teach you how to do that today. And to pray for yourself. Do you think that if we did those things, that our hope would rise? I think so. We'd, we'd be getting more letters like Lady K. So what did David do? David sought the Lord in prayer. It says, he asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? Now stop right there. There is a great lesson there. You and I should never go into battle over anything without first consulting the Lord. Never go into a legal battle until you've sought the Lord first. Never go into a relational battle until you have sought the Lord first. There are many times I wanted to go into battle with Cheryl and God told me, George, keep your mouth shut. Say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. <laughs> Saved me a lot of headaches, okay? 
Never go into battle without consulting the Lord first, especially with your spouse. So what's God's reply as he's seeking the Lord? Yes, go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and he defeated them. Then David said, I watched the Lord, what? Break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place, the Lord broke through. Folks, this is what I want for you and I between now and Easter. Those little cards that you have, we're gonna bring them at the end of the service as an offering. What is it that you're wanting to see God answer through prayer for your life? That breakthrough, I want you to write down. Just It's small, but you can write it down. And then I want you to put down two people that you wanna see breakthroughs in their life that you're gonna invite to the Easter services because we're gonna see God make breakthroughs in our life and in our community. That's what I'm having. And I don't care what that breakthrough might be in your life. It may be financial. You just write down a a financial song or a a, a, a dollar sign. It may be relational. It may be with your kids. This morning, guys, is George. One of my kids got a DWI. Okay. God's trying to teach them something. I don't care what it is. You and I need breakthroughs in our life. But we got to do it David's way. Now, let me give you another example. King Jehoshaphat, his nation, Israel, has had this spiritual revival. And let me just kind of put it like this. All hell breaks loose, okay? Take a look at 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 4. After this, three enemies joined forces against Judah. Messengers told the king, a vast army is coming against you. Three enemies, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Muites, the stalagmites, the stalactites, I don't know, the uptights, okay? The outasites, they, they were all coming together with King Jehoshaphat there. All hell's breaking loose. And what is the natural response when that happens? What's the natural response when you lose your job and maybe your spouse walks out on you the same day? I don't know. It's to be alarmed and worried. The same was true with Jehoshaphat. Look at this. Alarmed and afraid. King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. Notice how he switches his focus from worry to worship. How he switches his focus to seeking the mind of Christ. He he switches his focus from the bad news, so to speak, to the good news. And then it says what? He proclaimed a fast for everyone. Why? Why? Because a fast says, God, I'm serious. God, I'm just not talking with you about this. I'm putting some skin in the game. I'm going to fast. I'm going to abstain from food. Or I'm going to abstain for us from the news for a whole day. A week would be even better, okay? I'm going to abstain because I'm serious, God. I'm going to pray over this promise and I'm going to fast until I see you make a breakthrough in my life or in this situation. Jehoshaphat did four things right as you study this story. They're the same things that you and I didn't do. Instead of worrying, we need to refocus on God. You and I need to resolve to understand the mind of God. God, what is it that you're doing in this situation? What is it that you want me to learn? What is it you're wanting to teach me about others? What are you wanting to teach me about the world? Third, you fast. Jehoshaphat called the nation to a fast. Why? Because the whole nation 
is being affected by this. Do you think if we, just one church, decided, you know, we're going to fast for all of our kids in, in all our public schools, that that might make a difference? I hope so. I really believe that. And then the third thing you do is you pray. Jehoshaphat prayed and he fasted and God gave him a miraculous miracle. In fact, what happened, and you need to read the rest of the story in 2 Chronicles 20, is that the enemy fought against one another. He didn't even have to raise a sword. And they killed one another and then it took Jehoshaphat and his army the next three days to collect all the booty. In other words, that valley of battle turned into a valley of blessing. Now my guess is this. We all have some battles going on in our lives, don't we? And we need those valleys of battles turn into a valley of blessing. How do you do that? How do you and I do what King David and King Jehoshaphat did? Well, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us how we do it. In Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8. Let me read this. Paul said, don't worry about anything. When all hell's breaking loose, don't worry about a thing. Instead, pray. Pray over what? Pray over the promises of God. About everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. He says, don't worry. Instead, pray. And then the peace of God will overwhelm you. What does it mean to have the peace of God? It means to have a peace when there is no reason for it. It's to have a peace when all hell is breaking loose, when the storms of life are just rushing in and you're being tossed here and there. It's where other people look at your life and they start freaking out. Man, if I were you with all the stuff that's going on in your life, oh, guess what? I'd be one mess. But I see that you're at peace. There's no logical or reasonable explanation for it. And so this passage gives you and I things that will change our life, that will give you and I hope as we begin to see God do a breakthrough. This morning, four simple habits. Don't worry about anything. And I'm gonna help you understand how fasting fits into that. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Why? Because gratitude is a breakthrough attitude. And then lastly, Stay focused on true things. Let's jump into these things. First one is simply this. Don't worry about anything. The Amplified Version says, don't fret, don't fear, or have any anxiety. Truly, I believe this is the most difficult command in the Bible to obey. In fact, we have all broken this one, have we not? 
We may not have murdered anybody. We may not have committed adultery. We may not have stole anything, but I can pretty much guarantee you this. Each and every one of us here has broken this one. God says, don't worry about anything. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Truly the reason that we mess up in the present is oftentimes we expend all this emotional energy on either regrets from the past or worries about the future. We crucify ourselves on one of three crosses. The cross of guilt, shame, and regret from our past or the cross of worry, anxiety, and fear about our futures. And God says, don't do that. Why? Because worry truly is worth it, worthless. It doesn't accomplish anything. See, we have been deceived to think that if we worry about something, it helps it move it further along. We, we, we think that if we worry about our kids, that it will keep them safer. It will not. God says, worry doesn't accomplish anything. I do. I accomplish things. And he says, don't do it. It's motion without promotion. So what is worry? Will you write this down? It's focusing on my fears instead of God. It is practical atheism. It is acting like I'm an orphan. It is acting like I do not have a heavenly father that loves me, that has spoken truth in my life, that I can take him to the bank on. It's acting like, you know what, if it's going to be, it's up to me. No. Worry is focusing on my fears instead of God. And you know what it leads to? It leads to crucifixion. Take a look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Thinking that is controlled by my sinful nature leads to death, crucifixion. But thinking controlled by the Spirit leads to life and peace. And so what he's saying here is you and I have a choice. If I allow my natural self to control the situation, I'm going to crucify myself on one of three crosses Either guilt, shame, and regret from my past, or worry, anxiety, and fear about my future. But if I allow the Spirit of God that dwells inside of me, it leads to life and peace. Now, how do you and I do that? How do you and I switch our focus from worry to worship? Will you write this down? By praying and fasting. When you pray, you are switching your focus from yourself to God. When you fast, you are switching the focus from yourself to God. In essence, you're declaring, God, I am really serious about this. I'm putting some skin in the game, and I am going to fast. I am going to fast from food. I am going to fast from media. I am going to fast from whatever, God, because I'm serious. I'm going to seek you over this. And as a result, what happens when you and I get our focus off the problem and onto God? Our worry disappears. Do you remember... Daniel, from last week, when he was worrying. Do you remember Daniel? Hello, I'm a teacher. Do I have to teach that lesson over again? Come on, feedback right now. Come on, talk to me. Do, do you remember Daniel from last week? If you weren't here, 
I'm not going to repeat this lesson, okay? I want you to go on the web, and I want you to learn this stuff, okay? Daniel, he's old. He's 85 years old. He's been in captivity for 70 years. There's another governmental change coming, and he is concerned that he won't be able to go back home to his hometown like God had promised to him out of the book of Jeremiah. His people have not repented yet. And he's concerned that they're going to be, he and they are going to be stuck there forever. And so he does what King David and King Jehoshaphat did. Take a look at Daniel 9.3. I turned to the Lord and pleaded, we talked about this last week, with him in prayer and what? Fasting. Folks, that's how you stop worry. You pray and you fast. You get the focus off the problem and you get your focus on God. And you want to know what happened to Daniel as he prayed and he fasted over this critical situation? God raised up a non-believer, a Gentile, a King Cyrus. And King Cyrus allowed God's people after 70 years of captivity, really for no reason at all, to let God's people go back to their home country. Prayer and fasting. Now, one of the people that was critical in leading God's people back from Babylon to their homeland is a guy named Ezra. He wrote a book named Ezra. And in Ezra 8, verse 23, it says this, We fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he heard, will you circle this word, our prayers. He didn't hear my prayer. Folks, he heard all of our prayers. What's happening here is they are praying together. There is power in group prayer. There is power when a whole church comes together and seeks God. There is power when a church fasts all day and says, God, we're serious about this. We want our church to make an impact in our world. We want our church to make an impact for those who come in to the walls of this church. There is power in a praying and fasting church. Joel 1 verse 14 says this, schedule a time to fast. And we are this coming Monday. If you've been here the last three weeks, I've been telling you, on Monday, we're gonna fast. On Monday, we're gonna, tomorrow, we're gonna fast. And we're gonna pray as a church. And I don't care what, if, if you've never fasted before, fast one meal or fast two. If you can't fast two, fast one. If for some physical thing, and I know there's medical issues out there, Fast from the media. Don't watch any TV for one day. And use that. You can DVR it, okay? (laughs) You can take that time. And you can read the word of God. And you can pray over the promises of God as you're fasting for media or for meal or whatever. And say, God, I'm serious about this. I want to see you, God, answer prayers for our community at large. 
And then for those in our church, how encouraging will it be to know that everyone in our church is praying for everybody in our church? That it isn't just the professionals like Pastor George. And then for yourself. Whatever you want to break through in personally, I want you to write it on that card. I want you to write down two people that you're going to invite to Easter because we're going to start making an impact in this community. I'm asking God for that, and I'm believing God for that. And then we're going to bring those cards here. And this staff, our staff are going to fast and pray this week, and we're going to pray over these things. Number three, or number, number two, pray about everything. There is nothing too small and there's nothing too big that you can't pray about. If you worry about it, guess what? It's worth praying about. Do you mean, Pastor George, I can pray about the zits on my face? Yes, you can. If you have them still, you can't pray about them, okay? Does that mean I can pray about the car, my car payment? Yeah. Pray about the, the braces on my kids' teeth? Yeah. Pray about the promotion that, that I really am wanting? Yeah, you can pray about anything and everything. But as you do, or, yeah, pray about anything. I'll get there. <laughs> Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Take a look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. What are these verses saying? Simply this, that you can either carry your own burden or you can allow God to carry your own burden. If you allow, if you choose to carry your own burden, it's gonna end up being stress. But if you allow God to carry that burden, you will be at rest. And so you come to God and in essence you say this, God, I'm not going to worry about this, but I do wanna talk with you about it. Do you see the difference? Worries when we don't do that. Worries when we just kind of take it ourselves and we think that our stewing and all the motion that we create internally is gonna do something to promote the cause and it doesn't work that way. God says, no, just come to God and say, God, I just wanna talk with you about the things that are bothering me right now. I'm not gonna worry about them. Now I'm gonna teach you how to do that this week. It will only take five minutes of your day. I want you to just stop taking notes. Let me read this verse, Psalms 88, verse nine. Every day, Lord, I will lift my hands to you in prayer and I'll call to you. I'm gonna teach you during your time of fasting how to pray, okay? So drop your notes, put up your hands like this. You just raised your hands in prayer, okay? How, isn't that simple? Really simple, okay? Let's do that again, just practice. See Olympics. Raise your hands in prayer. Oh boy, we're good. I'll give you all tens. I'm gonna teach you this so you can memorize it. You got a little sheet as you were coming in. The left hand is for the who. The left hand is for what? Who. The right hand is for What? The right hand is for, the left hand is for, the right hand is for, okay, here we go. Start with the thumb, which is closest to the heart, and you pray for those who are closest to you, friends and family. Your index finger, 
is for your teachers and leaders that are pointing the way. Your middle finger is for those who tick you off. Oh, <laughs> cut that out. I'm sorry. It's the tallest finger, okay? It's for, it's for the influencers in our world. That may be a sports star. That may be a politician. That may be some kook in, in Korea. I don't know, okay? It's the influencers, okay? The, the ring finger, you may not know this, is the, small, is the weakest finger on the hand. And so you pray for the weak. You pray for the hurting, the helpless, the hopeless, those who are sick. And then the little finger is for you. You pray for you. Now notice how I did this. You pray for yourself last. I said this last week. When you are more concerned about other people, God will take up your concerns. So you pray for others. Even notice how I say we're going to pray for our community, then we're going to pray for our church, and then we're going to pray for us personally. So that is the who. The right hand is for what, okay? And we start with the thumb. And we pray about people's hearts, their compassion, their love, okay? God, we want you to increase, we want them to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The finger is for priorities, wisdom. God, give them wisdom to understand what their priorities are. The middle finger God, we want them. These are people of influence. We want them to be people of integrity, God. Help them to walk the walk and talk the talk. The, the ring finger, again, it's the weakest finger in the hand, okay? But it's, it's generally the weakest area is our, the need that we have, which is generally relational. As our relationships go, so goes life. And then the last one, the little one, is for prosperity, now, you want to know how long it'll take you to do this? After you've memorized it, it'll take you a little long. But after you, you know what it'll take you? Less than two minutes to pray for those five areas. And you can do that at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner. And it'll take you about five minutes. And you will have just prayed for the world. Are you with me on this, church? We can start making differences as we talk to the boss upstairs. I am convinced if we can establish this habit in our life, our hope will rise. Number three, third thing, thank God for everything. Like I said earlier, gratitude is a breakthrough attitude. And the more grateful you are, the more breakthrough or grateful you are, the more breakthroughs you're going to see. This is the third part of Paul's prayer in Philippians 4. Ask God for everything you need. God always, God, but always do it with thanksgiving, asking him with a thankful heart for all he has done. Will you circle the phrase with thanksgiving? You see, it's okay to talk to God about everything. Zits on your face, I want a promotion, I'd like to have a new car, it would be nice to have a new house, a new wife, no, not that one, uh, a better wife. You can ask God across the board for everything, but as you do, you ask with an attitude of thanksgiving. What if your kids came to you again and again and again and just said this, gimme, 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 gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. I want, I want, gimme, gimme, gimme. Whoa, 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 gimme, 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 I, 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 I want, I, the other kids have this, gimme, gimme, gimme. And they never stopped 
and said, thank you that you love me. And thank you for all the things you already, already have done for me. You want to know how you would feel if you, get, if you just had a kid, give me, give me, give me. You'd feel like a vending machine. God says, it's okay for you to come and talk with me about anything and everything that you want. But come with an attitude of gratitude for the things that I've already given you. I had a new thought. Thank you for praying for me this week about this verse. I've never had this thought, and I probably read this verse 100 times. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice that it says God's will. Will you circle that? You see, a lot of people want to know God's will for their life when the circumstances of life are coming in on them, when all hell is breaking loose, when they feel hopeless. But why should God give you step two in the process of building hope in your life, understanding what God's will is in that situation when you haven't taken step one, being grateful? Why should God show you what he wants to do in you and through you and for you when you haven't been grateful for what he's already given you? Your life, your breath, the house you have, the car you drive, the place that you and I live. God says, there's a process here. Be grateful. And then I'll show you my will. Now circle the word in. Notice that it doesn't say for. Folks, it would be stupid to pray or give thanks for all things. God doesn't want us to give thanks for evil. God doesn't want us to give thanks for, for war and rape. He doesn't want us to give thanks for what happened down in Florida. That would be stupid. He doesn't say give thanks for all things. He says, I want you to give thanks in all things. Even in bad situations, there are things that you and I can give thanks for. Now, here's the deal. As you and I are in an attitude of gratitude, a breakthrough can occur where you begin to see God's will. Where you begin to see God turning a crucifixion into a resurrection. Where you begin to see God turning a hopeless situation into a hopeful situation. Where you begin to see God taking that pain and beginning to answer the promise that he gave you for it. And so step one must always precede step two. The fourth thing that Paul says is this, stay focused on the true things. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything, and thank God in all things. This is all about mental change. Take a look at Philippians 4, verse 8. Fix your thoughts on things that are true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable and fill your mind with thoughts that are excellent and worthy of praise. Will you circle, fix your thoughts, think about things, and fill your mind? These are mental habits. This is the fourth thing 
for personal renewal of hope. This is a habit just as important as praying and fasting and giving thanks. He says, you got to stay focused on true things. Now, our minds are bombarded with lies all the time. From the world, yes, but mostly from ourselves. We tell ourselves lies all the time. And when we tell ourselves a lie, guess what? We believe it above every other lie that may be out there. It has a far more impact than the lies that are coming from the world. And we tell ourselves lies all the time. We tell ourselves that things are good, though they are not as good as they could be. Things are good at LifePoint Church. Folks, we got a $2.5 million budget. We pay the bills. We're meeting some needs. But guess what? We're not as good as they could be. Look at the empty chairs around you. We tell ourselves things that things are bad when they're not as bad as they really are. You and I lie to ourselves all the time. And the most common lies that dry up the hope that is in our hearts are these. There's five of them. No one loves me, so I just hate myself. I don't matter. I don't fit in. I'm useless, and I don't have what it takes, so I might as well quit. And we tell ourselves those lies all the time. To where we get to the last one and say, I don't have what it takes. And so we go out and we do something stupid. Maybe in a relationship, marriage, we go out and have an affair. I'm going to end this thing one way or the other. Or I've had a friend of mine, Danny Sick, who committed suicide. I'm done. I can't handle this. You see, you and I tell ourselves lies all the time. Don't do that. Quietly, we have started a mental health ministry in this church. And we're going to take on the last frontier in April. How to address just mental habits that, that, that destroy our lives and sometimes even physically. So you pray for that. But those lies are not true. God comes along and he says, you are loved. You have a purpose. You belong. You are needed. And you have a choice. You don't have to quit. And so you and I must fill our lives with truth. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And when you and I build these habits in our life, the result is what Paul mentions. Take a look at this last verse. Philippians 4, 7. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more powerful than we can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and emotions at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? I want that. Folks, I want our community, though it seems and appears that it's prospering. You ought to get the police reports that I get. I'd like to see our community be at peace. 
I'd like to see our church prosper as we just pray for one another this week. Monday, let's fast for one another and pray for one another. Left hand is for the who, right hand is for the what. And then let's pray for ourselves as well. I'm gonna ask you to write out what your prayer concern is. And I wanna ask you to write down two people that you're praying about to invite to LifePoint at Easter. And I'm at the end of the service, after we've taken the offering, we're gonna come and we're gonna worship and we're gonna put them down here and the staff and I are gonna collect these cards and we're gonna pray over them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, that, that you're a God who has made yourself accessible, that you have given a- us access to come into the very throne of God to acknowledge who you are, that you are a good God and that you are a good God all the time, that you are our heavenly father, that you care about your kids, your children, that you care about the things that are breaking our hearts, that we would love to see a breakthrough in, and that you listen and that you work, that you work within and you work without. God, thank you for the access that we have to you and God as a church I pray for our church family God I know that there are, there are battles going on battles for jobs I get the cards battles in marriages God I get, I get the cards emails God battles with family members that are struggling God would you turn these battles into blessings as we come to you as a church and as we pray and as we fast saying, God, we're serious. We're not playing church anymore, God. We mean business. And so God, hear our prayers, hear our cries, draw close, comfort us, strengthen us, answer our prayers, God. We give this to you in your son's name, amen.